Father, I thank you that you've given us your word and we don't have to guess about our sexuality. We don't have to guess about what your will, what your design is uh, for our life. And, and, and Lord, we just thank you for the clarity of your word. Lord, we ask that this morning you would give us eyes to see what your word says. Uh, Lord, give us hearts to receive it, uh, minds to believe on it, and, and Lord, in everything, God, that we'd be followers, we'd be doers of your word, not just hearers. Lord, we ask that your word would have its way with our lives, and then, Lord, I just ask that you'd help me uh, to just very plainly make its truth known this morning. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so by way of quick review, in verse three, Jude gives the reason that he writes this letter. He said, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Uh, the problem is, is multiple messages now have gotten out at this point, and, and Jude is saying, what, what you received that's what you need to keep. That's what you need to contend for. You need to fight for that truth. We have to contend for the truth because creeps are creeping in and they're, and they're telling lies on the faith. Right? Verse 4, for there are certain men crept in unaware. Creeps be creeping. You might want to get that down in your notes. Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation? ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to trust that we'll be able to see how Jude brings this point home uh, in these next couple of verses this morning, uh, particularly in verses 7 and 8. What do they do? Men misrepresent what the Bible says. They misrepresent the faith from salvation to what, what the Bible says about living out your salvation, and they want to take the grace of God, and they want to turn it to lasciviousness, unwanton pursuit of sexual gratification. They, they want to turn, you, you know, they'll continue in sin and grace will abound, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so what are they doing? They're, they're twisting the scriptures so that they can live contrary to them. And the key that enables them to do this, verse 4 says, they deny uh, the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our, our main premise of everything is that false belief is dangerous and that it leads us to rebellion against God. It, and, and, the, and, the, and the illustrations that Jude gives to, 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 to make this point is, is he's showing examples of, of, of people, of entities leaving a right place with God and going into rebellion. And so to illustrate this, he draws three parallels. We've seen the first two already. Parallel one, he gives the example of the generation of Israel that was delivered from captivity and then afterward destroyed. Verse five, I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that leave their first estate, that leave their first place of faith in the promises of God them that believe not. The issue here is their works. What happened? They didn't take God at his word. They, they took the promises of God. They got them twisted in their heart, and then they went away that was right in their own eyes. Their works then were corrupt. 
They leave their place of faith, they leave their place of trust in God and in His promises, and they do what they want to do. And so they rise up, make them other gods, and, and they throw a rave. <laughs> and that's just like the second parallel. Verse 6, Jude gives the example of the angels that sin and rebelling against God. Verse 6 says, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath, God hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. So Peter and Jude both give this same example, this same account. You know, both Jude and Peter parallel false teachers with rebellion in the angelic ranks. In 2 Peter 2, Peter warns about false prophets, false teachers coming into the believers among the people. Um, just like today, who bring in damnable heresies, he says, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And here's the danger, Second Peter 2, 2, and many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not, so they'll explain away the scripture in order to lead people into fleshly gratification, into going away that's right in their own eyes. And notice with feigned words, they make merchandise of you. They're exploiting you with their false teaching. So their judgment now of a long time lingereth not, their damnation slumbereth not. And so he parallels, Peter does the same thing in verse four. He parallels it with the Genesis 6 rebellion. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and to make sure that you knew what he was talking about, he gives the context in verse 5. He, 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 he makes it plain that it's Genesis chapter 6. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Both Jude and Peter are making sure that you see false teachers, apostates, that you see them in the same light as the rebellious angels. In Genesis chapter 6, how do they rebel? Again, we're just reviewing here. In Genesis chapter 6, what do they do? They leave their first estate. They leave the place of their proper living, their proper habitation. Genesis 6, 1 says that when men begin to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. Sons of, God in your, sons of God in your Bible are always a direct creation of God himself. Uh, you and I are called sons of God. Why? Well, when we believe on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says we're born again. We're, we're, become, we're made new creatures in Christ. We're literally made direct creations of God the Father himself. And so we are the sons of God. Well, angels also in your Old Testament are described as being the sons of God. Why? They're direct creations of God the Father. So the sons of God see the daughters of men, that they're fair, and they took them, wives of all which they chose. And we saw last time that angels were not supposed to marry. They were not to be given in marriage. Jesus says as much in Matthew 22 and verse 30. Uh, angels... God never intended, they didn't need to procreate, so he never intended for them to have wives. 
Well, what was the result of this rebellion? Genesis 6-4 says that their offspring were giants. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare them children. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So the results of this rebellion not only makes a mess of creation, now there's giants in the land, but it turns the hearts of humanity to only evil continually. In verse 8, Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, but God's judgment is pronounced in Genesis 6:12. God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Their damnation, their judgment, it does not linger, right? It does end up coming. And we're going to conclude today seeing that same case. So verse 6, the angels which kept not their first estate, their God-given place, but left their own habitation, he, God, hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. That's Jude verse 6. And so that's where we left off last time. We introduced verse 7 because... Parallel number three, now again, there's a lot of information to cover today. We're going to be just jumping around the Bible, comparing Scripture with Scripture. But parallel number three is just like parallel number two in that the, that the example that Jude gives to false teachers and the judgment that, 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 that they're bringing upon themselves, it's just like the perversion of Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, put perversion in the blank in your notes. That's where it goes. Okay, so verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, just like the angels who left their first estate, who left the place of their proper habitation, they as the sons of God had no need to physically procreate. So they leave that. They take wives and, and the hybrid chimeric offspring are giants. So just like that sexual perversion, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, okay, well, what about Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, they gave themselves over, giving themselves over to fornication. Fornication in your King James Bible is just the F word. It's sexual intercourse outside of marriage. And going after strange flesh. Flesh that is not natural, not the, the natural use, not the natural order. They go after strange flesh. And here, verse 7 says they're another example. They're set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So grab your Bibles, keep a, keep a bookmark in Jude. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 19. We see their damnation uh, described, the reasons for it described as well. Here's what we know about their judgment. Genesis chapter 19 is the first time where we see God, I mean, we saw it in Genesis chapter 6, but in case we missed it, Genesis chapter 19, God makes it clear what he thinks about sexual sin. Genesis 19 verse 1, you guys know the story. Adam and Lot are filthy rich. The land cannot sustain them both in the same place together, and so they have to divide up and take different parts of the land. 
Uh, Lot, I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, is, it's like Eden. He's like, I'm going to get even richer there. And, and so he goes to a place that, that, in terms of the land, is very bountiful. There's a lot of plenty there. But spiritually, it's a desert. Spiritually, it's a corrupt place. And so, you know, he ends up there, it, that it, right out of the chute, it ends up being trouble for his family. His, his uncle, Abraham, has to bail him out. And he doesn't wise up. He stays in Sodom. And so here he is in Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. He is a city councilman. He's a city leader. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed them greatly. He knew that that wouldn't end well. No, br brothers, you've got to spend the night with me. I'm going to take good care of you. He pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, and all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us, that we may know them. Um, this is an old English phrase for... Um, that we might have, that we may know them, could, the way we would say it today is that we might have sexual intercourse with them. Uh, this is how the Bible uses this, this is how the Bible describes this concept of sexual intercourse. It's someone knowing someone. Um, you know, a, a man and a woman get married and they spend their le the rest of their life together. Uh, they know each other better then they will know any other person ever on the planet, right? Two become one. Uh, Adam knew his wife and she bare, right? So you just see that usage of that phrase over and over again in your King James Bible. So they want to know these angels. They were in pursuit of strange flesh. So the men of Sodom are refusing to keep their first estate. It's not good for man to dwell alone. So God creates for man a helpmeet. He makes him a woman. What does God give to a man that he might procreate, that he might, that he might uh, increase the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of God on earth. What does God give him? He gives him a wife. Well, they're pursuing. Angels in your Bible are always men. Um, in popular culture, angels are like little babies with bows and arrows. Or they're like hot, seven-foot-tall, supermodel blondes. Okay? Biblically, you never see that described. Okay? They're men. They look like men, uh, these sons of God. So the men of Sodom want them. They're leaving. They're refusing to keep their first estate. They're leaving the place of proper habitation. And they want, to, they, they want to perpetrate on these two visitors. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Here's how messed up Lot is in this world. 
Behold, now I have two daughters which have not known a man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you, and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. Two strangers in his house to protect them. Strangers, men he just met that night, uh, that, that, that day. Now he's offering up his daughters, his virgin da- daughters in their, in their place. Uh, Lot doesn't know how to think right either. Well, that offends the angels, right? So do nothing to these men, right? Therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. And they said, the men, the angels said, stand back. And they said again, or the, 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 the sinners said, the sodomites said, stand back. And they said again, in other words, let us have them. This one fellow came into sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now he will deal worse with thee than with them. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. They want to, they want to rape these angels. Well, the angels aren't going to let Lot let them in or give them his daughters. So verse 10, but the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, hast thou, any, hast thou here any besides sons-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. What a mess Lot's family is. They can't even take their father-in-law seriously. And they have his daughters. And their home is about to be destroyed. And Lot can't even make them take him serious. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, were getting ready to nuke the vicinity, and Lot can't leave. He's lingering. He, he loves it in Sodom so much. While he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. So there's the warning. God's not willing that any would perish. He gives his word. He shows the way of escape. It's not good enough for Lot. Verse 18, Lot said unto them, not, oh, oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold, now, this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one, and my soul shall live? And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. We will spare the little city that you want to escape to. Haste thee, escape thither, 
for I cannot do anything till thou come thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And the sun, the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Verse 24, then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him. Uh, she's still longing, right, sorrowing over her life in Sodom. And so she ends up joining it in judgment. She became a pillar of salt. God, that day, ends up raining down hell from heaven on Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, you want it in your bucket list? If you, if you can make it happen, you want to come with me to Israel, uh, one of our LFBI study trips. We will go to this area that was the, the, the site of the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. The place today is now known as the Dead Sea. It is geographically the lowest place on planet Earth. Um, planes who fly over the Dead Sea can still fly below the sea level, right? It's the only place where an airplane can fly below sea level. It's that far down. And, uh, and if there's time, the weather typically always permits, you can go swim <laughs> in what was left of that judgment. <laughs> It's, a, it's an amazing experience, and so you want to you put that on your bucket list. God destroyed a whole civilization. Go back to Jude, look at verse seven. This taking the grace of God and resting the scriptures, turning it to lasciviousness, it's a serious offense. These false teachers, it's, their, their judgment is coming. Jude says, and it's just like, verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Jude says, listen, you don't get to play with God. You don't get to play with his word. There are false teachers that are coming in. They're sneaking. They, 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 they say they're with us, but they have another agenda, and it's to corrupt us from the Word of God. You need to contend for the faith. Why? Because they're going to be destroyed. They're going to be judged for their error. People say, how does this happen? How, how do a people get so corrupt? Better yet, how does Lot make such a mess of his life and his family? I mean, he ends up losing most of his family that day. Well, here's how it happens. Lot moves his family to a place where wickedness is practiced openly. The people were perverse. Genesis 13, 13 says, the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. They didn't care what God thought. As a matter of fact, anything that was offensive to God was pleasurable to them. They hated what was good, so they purposely rebel against God. And so Lot, in living with Sodom, it ends up doing great damage to him. He lost most of his family that day. And those that remained, you just keep going, you see the story, the perversion doesn't end. His daughters don't know how to think right. I'll let you figure that out. You can, take, you can do the homework. Just keep reading, keep going from Genesis 19. They end up caught up in the perversion that they grew up in. 
2 Peter 2, verse 7 says that God delivered just Lot, who 2 Peter 2, 7 says, was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, the filthy lifestyle. This word filthy means lustful, sexual excess. Uh, It means lasciviousness, wantonness. Verse 8 says, For that righteous man dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I've got news for you. Um, We live in a day and an age that's just like that of Sodom and Gomorrah. And, I mean, if you're paying attention at all, your righteous soul is constantly being vexed by the filthy lifestyle, the lustful wantonness, the lasciviousness of the world around you. I mean, it's on the commercials now, during family prime time. I mean, it's just disgusting (laughs) what's taking place. We live, you know, the old timers would put it this way, and this was back, the first time I heard this was in the 80s, okay? Our society has changed dramatically since the 1980s. Okay, first time I heard it was in the 80s. And, you know, people were playing back then. And the old timers would say, if God doesn't judge America, if God doesn't deal with America over its rebellion against him, he'll owe Sodom and Gomorrah an apology. Uh, We live in wicked, lustful, lascivious, filthy times. And it's celebrated. Again, remember Jude's premise, right, in verses three and four. You have to contend for the faith. Why? Men are creeping in unawares, verse four says, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That's, the, that's what the filthy lifestyle of the wicked leads to. You've got false teachers that are saying, God's okay. Um, you know, be brave, go gay. To, to, to say that that is good, necessarily, according to Scripture, means that you're de- now denying God himself, denying the only God in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is why men who rest the scriptures, who twist the Bible to turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. This is why it's so particularly wicked. Remember, false belief is dangerous in that it leads to rebellion against God. And again, Jude makes three parallels to verses three and four. And so what's he doing? He's showing us through these parallels, through these examples, he's showing us that apostasy, false teaching, And sodomy or twins? Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. He puts false teaching on the same level as sodomy. In Romans 1, we see the result of denying the Lord Jesus Christ, denying God. It leads to apostasy. It leads to a defiled mind. In Romans chapter 1, again, you know, people say, well, you know, Genesis 19, that's the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, God did not approve of sodomy. Well, okay, the New Testament, Romans chapter one's in your New Testament. And here we see that the alternative lifestyle is not approved by God. 
The Bible does say what it means. It means what it says. Words have meaning, okay? If we ignore the meaning of words, then you can just make the Bible say whatever you want, and good luck with that, Jude says. So here's the warning from Romans chapter one. You reject, you rebel against God. You deny the Lord, well then God will give you over, right? God does give people over to wrong thinking and harmful living. Look at the progression in Romans one. Paul starts with the gospel. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, it's in the gospel, that the righteousness of God, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, by the word of God. Will we believe God or not? Or, we will, or will we explain away what his word very clearly says? The just shall live by faith. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. There it is again. The word of God is speaking. Uh, it doesn't mean what it says. I'm holding the truth in unrighteousness. I'm gonna explain it away. I'm gonna tell you why my circumstances overturn the authority of the word of God in my life. Or I'm gonna rest what it says and make it say something else so that I can do what I want. They hold the truth in unrighteousness. Here's the charge, verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. You have to work really hard to miss the will of God for your life. That which may be known of God is manifest for them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, of God, from creation, the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. If you have eyes that can see and a brain that can think, you can see very clearly, very easily, that there is a creator and that he is powerful, infinitely powerful. And you can see that he is infinitely good. The creation that he made, it is beautiful. He gave us richly all things to enjoy. Uh, he, he, he is a very benevolent, very generous creator. I mean, you can see these things literally from creation itself. People are without excuse. There's no way you can miss it. There is a God, and you can know him, and you can know his intent. But in order, right, to do what you want, what you have to do is you have to overthrow God's order. You have to deny him. And there's Paul's, this is the point Paul makes in verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they knew God was. They, they could see what his will was for their life. When they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. What are they doing? I see, I see the, the, the person of God. I see his will for my life. I'm gonna turn that to lasciviousness. I'm gonna become, I mean, I'm gonna come to, I'm gonna start imagining things that come to nothing with God. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So they have to, for a man to just follow a lifestyle of lasciviousness, 
He has to take the testimony of creation and ignore it. They have to ignore the testimony of creation in order to make the unnatural and the unclean their new normal. I don't care what God wants. I've got reasons now to explain that away. Uh, a monkey was my uncle. You know, we started out as dirt uh, plus time. And look at us now. We're on our way to a singularity. We're literally on the cusp of becoming godlike in our abilities. Uh, from, from a moat to Superman. I mean, look at us now. And so, you know, I have no creator. So I am a God and unto myself. What do I want? And so I, I want to ignore the natural order of creation and I want to just, I just want to follow a way that's right in my own eyes, be it unclean and unnatural. So here's the danger, verse 24. I mean, this is, to me, one of the most terrifying verses in the Bible. Verse 24 says, wherefore, because you saw the truth and you thumbed your nose at it, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor, to, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Why? Because, verse 25, you changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. So now you can't, so now in your rebellion, you can no longer enjoy, you can no longer want the natural order that God's provided for you. It has to be perverse or, or, you, or you don't have a thrill. So God gives them up to vile affections. Verse 24, verse 26 are the most terrifying verses in my Bible, to me anyway. What a warning they are. You reject truth, God will let you believe a lie. You reject his will, God will let you follow error. And so now the unnatural is their new normal. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. It was proper, it was appropriate. If you're going to leave the natural, and if you're going to leave your first estate, you're going to leave the habitation that God places you in, well then you're going to reap what you sow. It's going to be proper, appropriate to do that. It's not like it's rocket science. Tab A, slot B. I mean, it's instructions all the time. This is how it works. Dogs figure it out. Squirrels figure it out. People, I mean, you're smarter than a squirrel, right? Squirrels got, I mean, squirrels got it down. Here it is again, another terrifying verse, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to a mind that now cannot think right. It doesn't have the capacity to process correctly and to do those things which are not convenient. And then look at what it all leads to, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. It's like he's describing Antifa to the T 
without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You got parents that decide they wanna protest about the trans activists going after their kids. Antifa shows up, calls them Nazis and fascists for trying to protect their children. I don't know, it, was, it blew up the internet uh, this, this weekend, the Pride March. I think it was in New York City, wasn't it? Uh, we're here, we're queer, uh, we're coming for your children as they march through the streets of New York. Um, God help us, God have mercy. See, that's the danger. Rebellion over false belief makes it so that you cannot even think correctly. Ephesians 4.19 describes it this way, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. People can get to such a place of rebellion against God to where not only do they ignore the word of God, not only do they ignore the witness of God in their own heart over what is right before God, right? Not only do they do that, but they love, they pursue that which is an affront to him. And they do it in a way that's willfully clueless. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says what? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Watch this now. The kingdom of God, the spiritual Union, the spiritual life with God. You can't, you can't inherit that if, here it is, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Again, abusers of themselves with mankind would be an old English phrase for homosexuality. If this lifestyle defines you, it's because you're not an inheritor of the kingdom of God. Now, you know, man, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's a list of wrong living before God that anyone is capable of partaking in. But if you ignore the witness of God, the witness of his word, the witness of creation, the witness of the righteousness of God that he places in your heart, you just thumb your nose at all of that, right? Creation, creed, conscience, okay, you thumb your nose at all of that, and now your lifestyle is now defined by these things, well, it's because you don't know the Lord. Ephesians 5.3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you. Not once named among you has become a saint. Uh, you've got these Bible resters. Um, you've, got, you've got married homosexual clergy in churches speaking for the Lord now, explaining, it, explaining away his word and the word could not be more clear. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification. You don't belong to you. You belong to him if you're a believer. You don't get to do what's right in your own eyes. You exist to serve at the pleasure of his goodwill. That is, by the way, the place of happiness for the believer. Man, to know that you're right in the center of God's word, God's will over your life. To, to know that you're endeavoring to follow him according to his word. And now... 
that God, God the Father is looking over the banisters of heaven and saying, there's my beloved child in whom I am well pleased. Like there's nothing better than that. This is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. But beware, God does give people over. But for that to happen, they have to willfully cross some unnatural threshold. God gave them up. God gave them over. Giving, this giving over of people to just abuse themselves in sin. He does the same thing in 2 Peter chapter, four, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. It's the same word. It's translated as delivered in 2 Peter 2, 4. For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness. He gave them over. He gave them up to chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Again, remember Jude's premise, false belief, it's dangerous in that it leads to rebellion against God. And that's why he's giving these three examples for verses three and four. What Jude is showing us in this passage is that false teaching, apostasy, and sodomy are twins. In the last days, rebellion against God proliferates exponentially. And we see that happening very clearly today. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. It's a short trip to 2 Peter chapter 3 from Jude. See if this does not describe the exact time that we live in. In verse 1 he says, I stir up your minds, your pure minds, by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. Here it is, verse 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. So they've already twisted scripture. They've denied the Lord. They're going away that's right in their own eyes. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. The Lord's not coming back. That's a fairy tale. That's a Bible fairy tale. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. It was destroyed once by a flood, actually twice by a flood. The next time it's destroyed, because of the wickedness of men, it'll be by fire. Seeing then, oh, wait, I'm skipping verses, aren't I? Um, Yeah, verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He just operates on a different time scale than you and I. Um, you know, if something's going to happen, it needs to happen right now. Um, if I want a cheeseburger, I want to be able to get in my car, place the order, and 30 seconds later, I want it stuffing my my burger muncher, right? I mean, like, that's, like, and I want it my way, and, you know. God doesn't operate on our time scale. 
A day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. Why hasn't the judgment come? Because God loves sinners, that's why. He's not willing that any would perish, that's why. He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves sinners, but make no mistake, he hates sin, and one way or another, he'll deal with it. Here it is in verse 10, judgment is coming, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Why? Because, and this is what we'll see next time in Jude, there's the danger of a defiled flesh. Look at Jude, verse 8. So again, he's, he's paralleling false teachers uh, in three ways the generation that God saved and then destroyed over their unbelief and rebellion, the angels that left their first estate, the place of proper habitation, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, who leave the natural to pursue the unnatural. Verse eight says, likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh. Proverbs 19.3 says, the foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Jesus told us, right, I mean, 2 Peter 3 absolutely describes our, our current world, that people scoff at the idea of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be the same in his second coming. He says, just like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, that's exactly what it will be like when he returns. Look at Luke 17, 26. Jesus said, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Jesus is saying in these times of people leaving the natural order, angels leaving the natural order, Sodomites leaving the natural order in rebellion against God to pursue rebellion against God. And just like it was a time of catastrophic judgment for them, well, that's exactly what it will be like in the second coming of Christ. History keeps repeating itself. And so what do you have now? You've got a day and age where abortion, the, the, the butchering of babies in the womb, is called choice. You know, you, you've got Satanists 
who are demanding access to the sacred right of abortion because that's their means of human sacrifice. I mean, is that the camp that you want to be in? Walk away. Walk away. You say, I don't think I can raise this baby. Someone can. Don't give up on God. I can't even keep up with the acronyms anymore. LGBTQ, LMNOP, you know, it's just like nobody knows what it's called now. Oh, that's just an alternate lifestyle. Oh, okay. Look at the gender confusion today. I mean, look at what's happening with our young people. They weren't lying when they said they were coming for our kids. You've got kids today who are, who are willfully mutilating themselves. They're butchering their bodies. They can't, I mean, you, 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 a 12-year-old goes on hormone blockers and they go on abnormal hormones. You don't recover, everybody says it's reversible. It's not reversible. And it causes, I mean, now you've got young adults with osteoporosis. I mean, how did this happen? Because it's, it's unnatural. Never again able to nurse a child, never again able to have a baby. What is it? It's like the seed of the woman is under attack, destroying the seed. So many lives destroyed by people pursuing their own truth. I mean, this whole gender identification thing has just turned into a free-for-all. You've now got, I mean, this was on the news, this was in the news this last week. Um, the, the, the challenge that teachers have when their students are identifying as cats, dogs, horses, and dinosaurs. Johnny, what's five times five? <laughs> That's the answer. What's the square root of 16, Sarah? Meow. Like that's happening in classrooms. And the teachers can't call it out, otherwise they're bigoted Nazi fascists. They can't even, they can't even, like, like the inmates are running the asylum now. Like it is a mental disorder that is being propagated purposely. It's like Satan hates the seed of the woman. All the mockery of the fact that they were made male and female. Genesis 1, 27. So God made man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Not intersex, not bisexual, not pansexual. He didn't create them pansexual. Male and female created he that. Not, not God made man in his own likeness and image, and so they meowed like cats and barked like dogs and roared like dinosaurs. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I'm giving you richly all things to enjoy. That's what he told Adam and Eve. Brothers and sisters, just pay attention to the news. We are close. We are living in the days of Noah. We're living in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. So how do we respond? Do you just bunker down, get a plot of land in the middle of nowhere, hide out until Jesus comes? What's the right response? Look at 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Paul says, for though I be free from all men, Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. And to them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. 
to them that are without the law is without the law. Again, not being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. But I, man, I'm, okay, the, 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 the law, right, I'm gonna identify with them. Why? That I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. A lost man is gonna live a lost lifestyle. And for you to wring your hands and get all emotional and upset over a lost man living like a lost man, it's a waste of your time. Instead, just get broken, get, get full of compassion for that person and love them. Be a true and genuine friend to them. So many people are pursuing these insane, I mean, a little 14-year-old girl is saying, I'm a man. Why? Man, some things have gone wrong in her life for her to come to this just cataclysmic conclusion, right? Some, some things have gone horribly wrong. Don't despise her, get brokenhearted for her. Some kid says, I'm a cat. You will call me Puss in Boots and feed me kibble. I mean, like, bless your heart, bless your crazy little heart. You know, like, like some things have gone wrong. What are they looking for? They're looking for acceptance in a world that, that, that is in rebellion against God. They're doing what they can for some people to pat them on the back and say, you're, you're doing okay, you're, you're heading the right way. And what they need to know is that God loves them and that God himself wants them. Jude gives the answer to all of this. Look down at the end of the book, Jude, verse 19. These be, these be they who separate themselves, sensual, not having the spirit, but ye, beloved, these people that are gonna be destroyed, okay, we've dealt with them, what about you? But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourself, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Man, I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but, but listen to me, the Lord, the judge of all the earth, the judge of righteousness, he does get his way. And it ends exactly like his word says it will. Do not listen to the rebels. Don't even listen to your heart. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Listen to the word of God. He loves you. He wants you. He wants you with him. He wants you to have the fruit of the spirit. He wants you to live with joy, with peace. He wants you to know the love of God that passes all human wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He, he wants these things for you. Don't listen to the rebels. Listen to the word that God has promised you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but when you see someone that's caught up in sexual sin, that is not the time for you to then in judgment and condemnation, <laughs> right? That is not the time for you to despise them and to view them with disdain. That's inappropriate. The condemnation's already set. Jesus Christ, when he came, he didn't come to condemn the world. Why? It was already condemned. The wages of sin is what? Death. So 
let's show people life. <laughs> I, you see someone who is bound in confusion, run to them, love them. This is what's going to happen, okay? We're a church that's all about reaching people. As time presses, if we keep doing that, there's some of these, a lot of them aren't going to be saved. I, it, they're given over. They can't think right anymore. Now, God is so much God that I believe he can even bring somebody back from a reprobate mind, okay? God can do that. Um, but, but, but most will rebel. But some, we can have compassion on them and make a difference. Others we can say with fear. We can pull them out of the fire. And what'll happen is we'll have some 30-year-old gal dressed like a cat. And when you say hey to her, it's good to meet you this morning. What's your name? And then she meows at you. You're going to be like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Man, somehow we need, we need power from on high, don't we? To be able to, in our hearts, say, oh, bless your crazy little heart. <laughs> How do I love you? How do I help you? How do I show you there is a much better way for you to live your life? His name is Jesus. Father, Lord, I come to you today in Jesus' name. And Lord, you see the failure of your church. You see the failure of the bride. We've been put in charge and under our administration, the world has gone back to the days of Noah, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, would you help us to have some compassion and make a difference in the lives of people? Can there be some that you use us to save? So they'll be with us, with you in heaven. Lord, without you, they're just going to hell. They're going to waste. Give them to us, Lord. We'll train them. We'll equip them. We'll love them. We'll help them. We'll build up their faith. We'll set them free to follow and serve you. Lord, help us to reach people in these last days. Lord, for those that are struggling with sexual sin, God, would you have mercy on them? Lord, as they take a step of faith and say, Lord, your word is right, this is sin. I need your strength to follow in faith. Lord, would your grace just be abundantly shed upon them. For those that want to despise sinners, those who are confused and hurt, Lord, would you enlarge our hearts? Lord, we want to join with you. We want to hate sin. We want to love sinners. People aren't going to come to our church and practice sin. Uh, not willfully. That's not going to happen. Oh, but Lord, we can have compassion on them and we can help them move forward in faith. Lord, enlarge our heart for those that don't know you. I ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.